Welcome to episode 129 of Photography Insights and I'm your host Andrew Wormsley. Today we have another lovely artist for you. I came across Rita Mars through the lovely Elizabeth Stone, another lovely lady who works from New York. Now what caught my eye with Rita's work is that it's completely different to any other photographer that I've seen in the past. Her latest body of work fuses the world of digital and print technology along with photography. This one is about reusing printer inks, stamps and making patterns and objects from these with a digital workflow. We do talk about this um, ink project, her Tidal one, 20th century plastics and rubograms. Now there will be a few examples of the work we discuss on my blog so do check those pictures out and links for further information. Rita has seen many years experience in the field and shot food for agencies back in the day and has worked across film, Polaroid, large format and other types of processes too. Looking through Rita's website you can see a wide range of projects that she's worked on. These range from rubber bands to food, tides and ink so you must check them out. In this one we are going to discuss social media, finding work, natural light, collaborative projects, festivals, acoustics, regrets, shooting food, studios and inspiration. Now I did take a quote from um, this interview today and this one was uh, quite a simple thing and so here it goes. Photograph. It's a reproduction of something. Something that stands in for something else. I hope you pick up on that um, when you listen to the podcast and you'll see exactly um, what she's saying about this. There will be links to her Instagram and her website where you can see some of this um, lovely work. And before I move you on to the before I move you on to the chat with Rita, please don't forget the friends of the show. That's Pete at Static Age, Dave at Film Dev, and of course Steve at Chroma Camera. All doing great work in the community, so please do check them out. And for those still interested, uh, there is my Facebook group, Photographers Therapy. And yes, I did realise I've actually spelt the word therapy wrong on the Facebook group. But I'm a bit too late to sort that now, um, since we've got a lot of members. So yeah, um, that group is all about um, having a safe space to have a chat about any issues in life. Um, whether you, you know, whether therapy to you is posting images, commenting on others, sending us links, talking about real life and events that are happening in your world, um, whatever you feel like, um, it's all well, it's welcome there. No one's going to judge um, you at all, all friendly. Um, very friendly group so I hope you do check that one out um, what I'm going to do um, very shortly is um, I'm going to look at um, Patreon Patreon and things like um, Ko-fi see if we can get some sort of way of um, for you, anyone to donate um, any bits of money to myself what I want to do is try and improve the audio where possible. So I'm looking at buying a proper microphone. Um, I think that'd be really useful. And then um, look at um, other elements. And obviously I'd like to offer some sort of reward. Um, what that's going to be yet, I'm unsure. I know one thing I can obviously do is send out a few prints here and there. But obviously that has to be worth it for both of us. So um, I won't be doing that at you know one dollar, one pound sort of thing. So leave that with me. I, I'm going to play with the idea. Maybe we'll do something like um, you get to listen to the show early, something like that. Um, it's just I know a lot of the others um, podcast do it, and if it can help me, uh, then that's really, really useful with someone who's got a limited income. So yeah, um, 
more on that soon. And hopefully in the very near future you're going to see the um, fruits of my labour. So there's going to be two zines. Um, one is going to be uh, with my architecture and the other one's going to be with my desolation project. So do keep watching out. Uh, I am proud of both pieces of work and I've put a lot of time into this stuff. You know, it's not five minutes, one session. Um, there's over a year's worth of work in each one uh, and a lot of patience between paying for development of the films as well so yeah it's 99% uh, film so yeah more on that soon anyway so let's uh, sit back relax and listen to Rita <laughs> Welcome to the show, Rita. Hi, Andy. Good to see you. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. Uh, it's been uh, nice corresponding with you, and uh, it's nice to finally see someone in person. Same. Yeah, well, that's cool. Um, we've been having a little brief chat between us, so uh, it's been nice to get to know Rita a little bit, and uh, she's been asking me questions about me, which is always uh, different, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's been nice to um, share each other's work as well because it's like I was saying um, to yourself earlier that most people um, hear my voice, hear me talking about other people but don't always see my work as much so yeah you have to get that work out there it's really good it's very exciting Yeah, yeah thank, thank you It's. I, I think the thing is um for someone who's never done this before, it's been hard not to share every single image I wanted to as I've shot them, because that's what I've always done. And then to store it all up and think of an idea and then not tell everybody about it, it's the opposite of how we work. Well, generally, I mean, now everybody, you know, puts everything out on Instagram the minute they make it, which is good and bad because it helps the, pro the um, creative process a bit. But sometimes I think it is good to hold back and something in reserve until um, maybe it's a little more refined. But feedback's always, um, always important to the creative process, I think. But I think the feedback you get on Instagram is sort of, you know, um, I mean, what is it? The just count the amount of likes. It doesn't. It's kind of meaningless. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I, I don't even um, use tags anymore because I ain't got time for oh. any of that. It's just, uh, I, I find it a nice way of just sharing stuff and exactly. then people who like it. Yeah, I'm not against it. It's like it is a good way to have yeah. your work visible. To, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but to use it as a source of measurement, I don't think is necessarily a valid place to do that. No, although um, I, when I have spoke to people, they've actually got work through Instagram and your yes. country. a lot of people do. You do get exposure. Yeah. Okay, because I've always said it's different over here. You'd have to be very very much at the top of your game doing something pretty niche or uh, you know you just have outstanding images and the rest of us would get nothing no i have um i know people that have started their careers just you know it's a different game now than when of course when i started um which is many years <laughs> ago um <laughs> but yes if i were young photographer looking to get assignments um, definitely um, Instagram and any of those social media tools TikTok is definitely a way to zero in on a certain client a certain um, headspace or you know to get to focus in on mm -hmm. um, getting assignments and it's very successful People, it's like another form of promotion. I mean, when I was 
Mm. Um, starting out, your promotions were generally done by mail. You make a card, you send it out. And now, you know, if you target certain people on Instagram or, you know, you can get their attention that way. And it, mm. it ta- it's a bit, a lot of energy. And I, my hat's mm. off to those people. It's, yeah, it's hard work. You mean, yeah, yeah, a d- different breed of people, isn't it? I mean, it's different though. I think so. You know, if that's say what we'd maybe class traditional photography as, I can understand that um, because you, you want to be um, showing your work to the most people as possible. You want to be attracting high end clients, but the things like yourself are doing and Elizabeth and people like that. It's art. Yes, it's a different clientele. So it is not to say that people don't find artists on um, that they love and that they buy on Instagram. They really do. Um, There's a lot of commerce, then you know, or at least attraction to get you to look deeper on. You know, it's a it's a good platform for exposure for artists. Hmm. I mean, I think I'm not. I think that's actually how I know Elizabeth is an Instagram. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. And yet, I feel like she's my best friend. (laughs) Oh, that's well. We've exchanged things in the mail, and we've, you know, because we like each other's work, so we communicated to each other beyond, you know, beyond um, the frontal portal. That's the best thing. So it does introduce you to a much broader audience. Otherwise, I would never know her. She's, you know, the other. It's in the middle of the country. Mm. For, for me, it's the same reasons, yeah. Uh, it's allowed me to find great people, but actually it's been really good to get past that initial, um, this is my website, and, and that's it, because I think that's different as well, whereas you've sort of got that ability to, oh, I, I really like your work, and then sometimes you can take it into actually a friendship, can't you? Yes, you can. And you can also show what you're working on, you know, what mm. new project you're, you're, you know, may not be resolved. I usually write, you know, work in progress. So just so, you know, it's, mm. it's not necessarily the finished piece yet. Which yeah. I like I seeing people I I what they're that. working on. I do. I think it's ace. Um, my mate said to me once that um, you should do, um, either video or a bit of behind the scenes. So I started recording videos of um, when I'm out on my walks, like when I was doing the architecture. So I, I just go around and I only hold my phone because obviously I'm not interested in cameras. So I just hold my phone around and to say where I am, what I'm doing. And actually they're coming useful because it um, they've got the memories for me as well. Yeah, that's which is nice. Uh, and sometimes what I'll do is, because I'm shooting film, I'll use the camera to look down my viewfinder. So uh, because it's a waist-level viewfinder, um, people love seeing view, uh, through the viewfinder, as you say. So they can see what I'm actually doing, but obviously they don't see the result till my film's processed, do they? And neither do you. <laughs> well that's the one of the things that digital has certainly introduced this like that 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 space between the time you take the picture and the time you experience it is you know it's totally disappeared it used to be days weeks months um now it's instant Hmm. even polaroid was instant (laughs) I love oh, Polaroid. Bring back Polaroid. Yeah, there was there was a time in the early '80s where I just worked exclusively with Polaroid, and that was so much fun. And that's another beautiful, beautiful material. We're talking about analog, um, and that was you know brand new technology at the time, and I just loved it. I just loved it. I was just like, and you know, we were talking earlier about you know you fall in love with photography, you fall in love with you know the film and the paper and mm. the chemicals in the darkroom and um, I gotta say, Polaroid changed that for me because I was like, "This so much 
more fun because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't have to go through all those other steps. And yeah. um, it, they, it was just there and I could create things as fast as I could think. And I was, you know, back then dabbling in a lot of very conceptual projects and, um, you know, I just loved it. I just loved it. And I still have a few of those. I'm a little bit jealous, I think, of probably Polaroid more than anything. Well, they have new cameras Mm. now. Yeah, they do. And the film is pretty good. Yeah, it's much, uh, the emulsion's much, much better than it was like five years ago. It is. Um, It'd just be nice to see um, like bigger frames, that's all. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the 8x10 Polaroid anymore, if they still make that mm. or, um, I don't know. I think the thing is it'd be monumental cost. It always was. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay. Right, fair enough. It always was. Right. Because obviously there's so many people in the past that have talked about uh, the things to miss and the things to love. Uh, and for me, it's like um, what is available now is the only thing of importance to me because I can't buy old technology that's died off, can I? Exactly. So it's it hasn't died off. And that's not to say that you can you can get them, um, but it's at a great um, effort to find these yeah. things. And people are very dedicated to that and get beautiful results. Um, I'm more interested in, you know, just playing with the new technology, Mm. playing with um, the new materials that are available. Yeah. No, you can definitely see that. It's funny how um, you've embraced this sort of digital technology in a very different way to most and, you know, when I came across your work, or I should say Elizabeth okay. introduced me to your work, it was like, do you know what, this is a, another example of someone using something in an ingenious way, and it's like, this is fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's just really nice to see people pushing boundaries of, um, you know, a technology and, and art. Uh, and... I always think, well, surely this is it now. You know, I've talked to Elizabeth and Linda and Karen, so we've done infrared, we've done thermal imaging, uh, you know, we've done cyanotype with Jonah last week, and it's like, what else is there? And then I can you know, see your work. And well, it's, it's it's playing, and you know, I I would be doing what I'm doing if I didn't have a very deep, long-standing love of the medium. I mean, I love photography. Mm-hmm. I love um, what it can do. Um, it's, you know, it, it, and I'm all, I, you think like when I'm working on what I'm, whatever project I'm working on, I'm thinking about it in terms of photography, um, mm-hmm. whether it's from the materials or the idea that it's a reproduction, because photograph is always, you know, it's a reproduction of something. It's something that stands in for something else. You know, it's like, sure, yeah. but you'll never, you know, so if you wanted to talk about my ink projects, you asked me a question um, about that. Um, and you asked me, why is it called residual inks? And the reason it's called residual inks um, is because I use the ink that's at the bottom of your empty cartridges to make my prints so if you have an empty Mm -hmm. ink cartridges i i open it up and i use that ink to make my drawings and then i digitally Mm -hmm. reproduce and print the exact same thing like what you would do with a Mm. photograph what you would do with a negative you'd make another copy of it that's the natural instinct right and then i put them side by side so then you have this these two um pictures that it's it's ink on paper they're both ink on paper but one is actual yeah. ink and the other is an inkjet print one is you know the actual object and the other is like really generated by technology the it's same. it's it's like from you know 
zeros and ones and technology and shot yeah. through this printer and sprayed onto a piece of paper. Um, and there they are, they're sitting right next to each other. And they materially, they're, they're very much the same. They're ink on paper, but they're different. So I do that to kind of ask the viewer to come and look and just to see, you know, where the differences are between, you know, what's, you know, touchable and what's derived by, um, you know, pixels and code and. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting approach and an interesting dilemma in a way, because it is the same thing. Technically, yes. <laughs> well, a photograph is like it's dye suspended in plastic, right? Mm. I mean, if you consider what a negative is, it's it's dyes or silver, like suspended yeah. or uh, silver and fat, right, animal on, fat on a piece of plastic. Materially, mm. that's what it is. And I've always been attracted to artists that work with their materials, um, and mm. and let the materials be what the photograph's about. There's the great artist, um, Ellen Carey, who does these amazing Polaroids, as we were speaking about earlier. Um, okay. She does the large um, 24 by 40 Polaroids, but she just pulls them and lets the chemicals, she lets the chemicals like kind of process on the paper in these beautiful, beautiful drips and um, abstract, um creations they're amazing yeah um and artists like that i've always been very um attracted to and in and also because they're pushing the medium to be something other than just recording what's outside the, me the medium they're pushing it a little further yeah god that's really uh interesting that's such a different way of thinking about what you're using yeah. no it's not about the object or whatever is it well it is um well yeah yeah <laughs> it's presenting the object but well traditionally a photograph's light sensitive material right mm -hmm. and so today you're when you're looking at a photograph it could be you know just on your iphone it's more likely going to be something that's um digitized and has no physical presence it's just uh mm -hmm. you know as i said ones and zeros living yeah. in you know i don't know where it lives in the cloud <laughs> um <laughs> so but and if it's printed out it's generally just as likely to be like a fine art print is just as likely to be made of um traditional materials silver as it is more today you walk into a gallery you'll see more and more artists using um digital inkjet printing you know very well done yeah. um yeah. as you would see a um beautiful um color processed print hmm. so i just started thinking about that and um, thinking about playing with those materials of you know now the 21st century is this ink and paper so i've been having yeah. a lot of fun just um experimenting with those and making um these kind of drawings using the leftover ink from this process mm -hmm. that just has this lot because those ink cartridges are never really empty and then mm. um once i started working on it the people started sending me there because all these i know all these artists in there like they're going through their ink cartridges they throw them in the box they don't know what to do with them and then uh, you know they'll just arrive on my door boxes and boxes of empty ink cartridges and i'll go through them and sort <laughs> them out and i'll harvest the ink i'll put them in jars and play with them that way mm -hmm. and it depends on if they're the big ones um, or the little ones. The little ones generally just have a little drop in them, but the big ones have like, they have a pretty fair amount of ink left in them. Okay. You know, from the from the bigger printers. Yeah. So, um, 
I have a lot of fun with that. So I like that also because it brings kind of a communal aspect to the work because, you know, it comes yeah. from my, my resources actually come from other artists. Yeah. See, that's quite clever in the sense that they're getting involved in your work as yeah. well. So probably without you even having to try, you've already got some sort of following because people be going, what's this Rita doing with our rings? Because I want to look because you, you're interested, aren't you? Well, because I'm interested in what people are doing, I'm always looking at what they're doing too. And, you know, yeah. um, you know, in the States, there is a lot of programs where um, artists can get together. And, and that's where I meet a lot of people. And you share your work at different festivals or events. And that's okay. a really great way to meet and see what people are doing. And I participate in those. And I really appreciate all of that. And it's a chance for me to show my work and to see what other people are doing. And it's always very exciting to see what people are doing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I've loved finding out, you know, via this sort of uh, um, platform, because I think over here, we probably don't have that. And, um, you know, my life has never been around artists. You know, I've probably been in one gallery and that was just to see my friend's work. <laughs> but but now it would probably be something that would interest me. Oh, to you be should. Honest. Yeah. You'd enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. Because I, you know, the more I talk to people like yourself, it's more about um, ideas to inspire and um, talk about technologies and um, things you can use, but probably um, ideas. I don't know. There's, there's so many different things that can help influence what you're going to do, isn't there? Yeah. Um, you know, it's bouncing things around. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes for me, what I decide I'm working on has a lot to do with, um, you know, where I am at a particular time of my life, you know, or the studio space I'm yeah. in, you know, what's available, yeah. what's around me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's very pragmatic approach. No, that's good. Though. I mean, and that, you know, that, that's something I'm used to because my work with my models has always been basically of where I am. Um, we're not fortunate enough to make plans or anything. So, you know, we'll go to a place, someone turns up to put an outfit on, and then we plan an idea. And, you know, you've got to be capable of doing that um, and using what light you've got or you make light. Yes. Uh, and you make some work. Um, I think they're the times when you push yourself, and that's when good stuff happens. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully, yes. yeah. Sometimes it Right, <laughs> and we, hopefully we learn from our mistakes and failures, because I think, you know, I think that's a big part mm. of experimenting, that you have to mm. accept that, um, you know, it only leads to the next thing. A failure only leads to the next thing. Like you have to solve the problem. And I feel like a lot of what yeah. I'm doing, I'm um, creating a problem and then solving it. Um, mm. So I work through different ideas and no, not everything ends up in the portfolio. A lot of it ends up in the recycle bin. Um, mm. So, and I think that's probably true of a lot of artists. Um, because you have mm. to experiment to until you get it right. It's like you know, a dancer has to practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Because mm. that's you know, I think there is a certain amount of curiosity that goes along with experimenting and pushing and learning. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this morning I put a um, post up on social media, uh, and I'm trying. I'm showing in the um, my film photos now from my archive um, because obviously we're not out shooting you've got to try and uh, keep active and it's nice to um, show some of the memories and fun I've had uh, and they're my earliest ones now so it's 2017 so it's actually longer than I thought actually yeah 2017 2018 it's crazy isn't it and it I don't know and it was a 35mm um, colour shot of a friend um, 
he's a really smart guy. Um, he can basically wear anything and looks really good. He's one of these. Uh, and I said this time I wanted him a really smart suit. And I know I'd seen him in one before and we met on some steps. Um, so there was like an angle thing going on. Uh, and I took it and it came out and I posted that morning and I said, you know, this guy's inspired me because he pushed me to do a bit of portrait on the street. And we would just go up to people and say, can we, can we uh, step in our studio against that wall? Uh-huh. We're outside. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he's introduced that element of approaching people. He's smart looking. He's a great photographer. He's a really good dad. Keeping it spontaneous. You know. Yeah, um, and he put a nice comment back and said, Andy, you're, you're the inspiration. And I was like, you know, that, that's a really nice thing to hear back. Because uh, it's not every day in life you get this, is it? No, no, it isn't. So that's why I try and put these posts up, because I appreciate these people and it's like, you know, this, this is for you, mate, sort of thing. And uh, uh, I work with really nice models uh, and they become friends, but they're the only ones I'm interested in shooting with. Uh, if you don't want to be friends, uh, there's no point for me because the friendship brings out a bit of spontaneity, to be honest. Yes, because it, 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 I understand that. It, you know, it, it mm. kind of breaks down those walls that you could yeah, be a little exactly. more free to be yourself yeah um because photography isn't just taking the picture is it there's a lot of different things especially involved. with people um i mean you've done all sorts um you know it was quite clear from um your website you, uh the amount of projects you've done i mean was just so interesting i mean um, what one of them um, that really relates this way is the uh, tidal volumes. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes, so mm. that's the Hudson River. So that was a project I took on. Um, oh, I, I, I don't. I think it was. I don't remember the year it was. I think it was maybe twenty twelve. <laughs> um, and like you, I also like to take walks. It's part of, um, you know, getting my head together and straight and mm. um, it allows, taking walks allows me to process whatever's going on in my life, um, you know, just to give you that little space. So I started walking along the Hudson River and, you know, it's just such a um, wonderful meditative place because it's not just Water's always intrigued me. First, you know, just the expansiveness of it. Um, mm-hmm. When you're there, there's a certain aroma, there's a smell, there's a sound, you know, of the water lapping, there's birds. The Hudson River happens to be on a train line, so there's trains. So there's a certain mm-hmm. rhythm um, that I was experiencing. It's all very meditative, and I just started to um photograph the river at um different places along the river and i was just started thinking about the idea of how you know the water and the river it's different in each location but it's always the same this very um you know meditative concept of the river so i was videotaping it i took both stills and videotape and okay. um, and again, it gets into this sort of um, meditative stance. And then I brought it back into mm. the studio. And at the studio, I had a projection set up where I could project something onto a rear projector screen. And yeah, I started okay. to re-photograph the photographs and the video of the river with using yeah. the same camera. And I did this over and over again um, until like the image really just started to fall apart and you could barely see that it was the the river. It, you could see it was, it was still recognizable. I, I stopped right before it yeah. just completely fell apart. 
And I also did it with the sound. I don't have the video on my website um, because um, I just redid my website and I just haven't done that part yet. <laughs> I just finished it a couple of months ago and it was it was so exhausting. It's like, okay, I'll, I just kicked it down the road and I haven't picked it up yet. And um, so I also, the sound, I would also re-record the sound. So okay. each time um, you did that, it would come into the technology and the technology would alter it. And, but it would also pick up like whatever, you know, the acoustics of the room were. So, yeah. and that also became distorted. And the final video is just like this pulsing light and this, um, you know, distorted sounds of water and birds and trains. <laughs> so it's kind mm -hmm. of, um, it's, you know, kind of zen-like. So that was that. Thank you for asking me about that one. It's a long time since I talked about that project. <laughs> no, well, I think that's the thing, though. Um, some images are very personal. Yeah, that one in particular. So thank you for picking up on that. Because yeah, no, it's sort cool. of like just there and nobody ever asked me about it. Because <laughs> everybody, I always talk about the inks because that's actually what I've been working on for the last five years. But I appreciate yeah. you, um, you know, talking about that because one project always leads to the next one for me. You know, it's I'm thinking about certain yeah. things, and then that leads to the next thought, and that leads to the next project. No, no, no. It, it's part of it. I mean, I think it stood out because um, I think a lot of it's been on our minds at the minute. Like we've been missing the seaside. Um, in, in this country so um, as you know we're not allowed out anywhere at the yeah. minute so seasides are really vivid memories for a lot of us for childhood and you know our own families now as parents and um, someone entered my competition with a picture that was his son I think eating an ice cream and that's all the picture was about uh, and he put it up because it was um what are you looking forward to doing when we can go anywhere? Mm. So we so we said, oh, you know, that's a really powerful image, actually. It, the opposite of what you expect from a COVID competition or a COVID theme, but it's great because, um, you know, it's his interpretation. Yeah, I love that. And well, plus no, it's, it's, a, a, really it's nice a joyful thing. small moment and, mm. you know, that's what gets us from one day to the next, the joyful moments. Exactly. And the sea is, um, you know, part of this thing, why we love going to the coast. And I put one of my images up of the sea, and it's literally one of the very few images I've ever taken. It's similar in style to yours that um, it's, um, I don't know if I'd caught a slight long, it wasn't long exposure because I don't do that stuff. Um, but it was just the scene. I've never ever taken a picture of just like a plain thing before. It's really unusual for me. And I put it up and said, how does this make you feel? And I just assumed everyone would say um, relaxed mm -hmm. and, and zen. And some other people, other different stuff. So it was really interesting, actually. Uh, so that's really why I cottoned on to that. Like that. I, but think then, we're, I think it's a natural thing to be attracted to the yeah, the beauty of the water. Mm. But then, well, I, I looked at your um, rubbergrams. No, rubbergrams was uh, on project, I'll, yeah. And you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, hang on a second. Well, I loved messing about <laughs> with um, rubber bands, so... I've used them in lots of photography of uh, holding my flash and a gel over it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And I've used it with, uh, I have used it for long exposure. So I've bought a, a square filter. Uh, I don't have um, filter holders. So I put two rubber bands around the entire camera to keep it tight to the lens. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was rubber bands, a massive rubber band. 
that went all the way around. And that was medium format. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it was, a, you know, I mean, the rubber band would have been like this big. It would have been 12 inches long or something. So, you know, rubber bands have still been useful in that sense. Um, I think I've used my light stands. They were useful um, too. At, yeah, yeah. So that's why I was looking at this and I was like, God, I'd have never thought of doing anything like this. So <laughs> well, tell well, me about this. Well, project. thank you. You know, I do love rubber bands. Oh, they're, they're just these humble little objects, right? That They're ubiquitous. Yeah. They're all over, the, you know. And um, um, I, I was also just thinking of um, photography and what it is, it's it's um, light and, you know, the origins of photography, you know, actually um, Talbot's book, Drawing with Light, Drawing, you know, it's about drawing with light. The nature of, yeah. you know, what, what's the name of his book? Anyway, um, I was thinking about drawing with light and um, hmm. using photography to do this. So in my studio, I'm back in that same studio where I have that projector set up. But now mm -hmm. the screen, now I have this overhead projector, you know, like those ones that you used to have in school where you'd put something on and it would, you know, project yeah. something. So like the optics of that are, you know, they're really, it's all plastic, terrible lens and, you know. Mm. So I'm projecting these rubber bands onto the screen. And I'm not trying to um, make compositions, so to speak. I'm just really just dropping mm -hmm. them onto the bed of the flat of the um, the okay. overhead projector. And then just taking yeah. a picture of what appears at, of the projection. I'm taking a okay. picture. Oh, right. So you take I'm the picture. taking a picture of the right. projection. Mm -hmm. And I just keep doing this and getting different arrangements. Um you know, taking them off, starting all over again. And, you know, I'm really just playing. And and then when they were all done, I set them out and I inverted them because the light is actually yellow. So I inverted them back into like a negative. So now they become, they start to look more like photograms, like a photogram that you would take a piece of, you know, uh, something and put them, put it directly onto light sensitive material and, make a photograph yeah. in the dark room, but I'm not in the dark room. I'm have a digital dark room. So this was sort of my, mm -hmm. um, digital way of playing with that. And mm -hmm. then I, um, just arranged them in a way to kind of, you know, so they would interact and relate to each other, the mm -hmm. different prints, I think. And they're all have different amount of prints and different sizes and, um, Yes. Okay. So is it multiple images? Multiple um, layers. And they're multiple images. Each, it's sort of um, a collage in that there's each piece, oh, okay. each piece has, um, I don't know, 14 separate images, pictures, yeah. prints um, yeah. on a piece of board arranged. Mm. And so each arrangement is a unique arrangement, but they're but Got the it. prints are reproducible because they're just digitally mm. reproduced. Right, it's it's cool. I don't I don't know why we're so attracted to what in theory is such a simple thing. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like again, it's like you know where where do People like you, I need to take that bit of your brain out, <laughs> give it to me for a little while. Well, you know, you say that, but part of it is, um, you know, you walk into your studio. So if you walk into your studio and it's your job to make something, so, you know, you, yeah. you show up and you get to work. Yeah. And in this particular studio, um, this was kind of a dark studio. And this is when I started to work with projections. Um, okay. Because it's like, well, it's perfect for that. And that's when I started to photograph, um, you know, either eight millimeter um, vintage film, or I was projecting my own videos, or I was projecting with using the overhead projector um, and re-photographing that and playing with that. 
So in in some ways, you know, I do find that this for me, the space I am, I'm in, um, I don't want to say dictates, but it um, opens up what I'm going to work with or how I'm going to proceed. Ah, okay. Yeah. Like before that, I had um, a studio with exposure on three sides. It was beautiful light. I did a lot of still life um, with natural light using large format film, you know, Ooh. I know. And then I get to this dark studio and I start playing with different ideas, different things. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying it was like, wasn't a struggle. It's hard to switch gears. So, yeah. um, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have my beautiful studio with three exposures anymore. <laughs> So it's yeah. like it, it took a while and um, I played with different things and um, and I just, you know, relaxed a little bit, really. Yeah. Awesome. That's an interesting approach. Thank you for asking. No, because when I first saw it, I thought, is this a photogram? Because obviously I've played with that idea and, and I know you've gone through camera technology to cameraless technology. Right. Well, that's what I was sort of, uh, the goal was to kind of emulate that kind of photogram mm. and drawing with light, like, you know, like Maholi Naj and um, others mm. that worked with photograms, you know, and now they were the innovators of, you know, the modern photograph. Um, mm. So I looked to the, yeah. I looked to the masters a lot for inspiration so we should. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Right. And then you have to, mm. uh, as you said earlier, bring yourself into it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make your own mark and your own stance, don't you? And um, I think people can get confused about um, where ideas from and get a bit obsessed with like copying ideas. And, and I think that's where the Instagram world's gone on because it's like, um, I now want to do that. But you've got to be a bit careful um, and think about not just copying someone's idea. Like um, uh, it's Linda with the breathe idea. You know, you could easily just copy that project, but then you are directly copying. There's no no two ways about it. You know, no one else has done that sort of work before. Um, or you could be up front and say uh, to Linda, I'd love to do your project with this set of people over here. What do you think? You know, you might be able to collaborate, couldn't you? Oh, that, and it would always be different. It would always, you know, yeah. it, especially when you start collaborating, because, you know, the more eyes you have in it, the more creative heads you have in there, you're going to, you know, change it. Mm. And hopefully in a good way. You learn, you know, you learn from each other. Yeah, collaborating has been brilliant. Um, so that that's how all my works um, become about. From working with groups of people, I never shoot alone. Um, never shoot a model alone. No need for me to do that. Um, there's other reasons why I wouldn't as well. And it's like, um, for me, it's a um, communal mm -hmm. sort collaboration. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, in my previous life and career um i played football as a pastime and i did that because not only did it keep me fit and i enjoyed it but it's a very much team mm -hmm. game uh and everyone knew me on a team and i would know oppositions and they would know me and you know if we went out um for a night out or something i would probably see him and we, you know um for me that's what it's all about i've always been the same that's important. Um, I know one of the other things that struck me as is this 20th century plastics. Um, oh. I don't know where you got this idea from. <laughs> well, that also, that sort of just, that was my old um, transparencies from my commercial work. Um, as I said, for years, I was a commercial photographer um, shooting um food and beverages mm -hmm. for you know magazines and ad ad agencies so 
Um, I mm. had a pretty busy studio doing that. And at the time, this was way pre-digital, um, you would shoot eight by 10. Wow. Yeah. And when you said that to eight by 10 Polaroid, yeah, that was expensive. Um, okay. And we did shoot eight by 10 Polaroid and you needed this whole big processor to do it. And each one would be, I don't know how much money. Um, um, yeah. So we would be shooting, you know, whatever for whatever magazine these, because the whole the whole process was different. The printing press was different, and they really required you to have this large negative to show all yeah. the details. Yeah. Um. You know, and and for food, they really wanted that. So the how this came about, this twentieth century plastics project is. As I mentioned before, I have a lot of stuff that just starts to build up around my studio. Things, you know, have to be thrown away once in a while. So at this point, mm. um, I don't know. I just put a bunch of chromes in a box and I drove them home, pulled into the garage. I just pulled them out of the trunk and I put them to the side where uh, they sat for years. Okay, <laughs> years. I can't okay. even tell you how many. Um, mm. And they eventually got damaged. Something, you know, something mm. leaked on them or just seepage and they collapsed onto each other. And um, this was the result. Again, it's time to mm. clean up. I open this box, yeah. you know, every once in a while, I was like, oh, I better clean this mess up. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. I wasn't sad about it, um, but it was like, this mm. is interesting. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to throw this away so quickly. So again, I take it, I put it somewhere else and let it sit for another, I don't know how many years. Okay. Um, and then, you know, then one day I decided to just start photographing them because they started to look quite beautiful to me. And again, I'm thinking about the materials. So in, in a sense, I'm thinking, well, this is still, you know, dyes suspended on plastic, but they've been rearranged. Mm. You know, nature's come along mm. and, you know, muddled with it. So these dyes yeah. have just been like pushed aside so you can't see that pizza anymore. And now it's just like this commingling of dyes on yeah. this sheet of plastic. Um, so I called them 20th century plastics because, uh, first of all, that's the name of the company that makes the sleeves that you would put them in. Ah, and okay. also 20th century, because it, again, it's not technology mm. that, um, really belong. Well, it, it belongs to that century. I should, yeah. I don't want to say it doesn't belong in this century, but it, it rooted in mm. the 20th century. Yeah. Um, so God. that's that's how I came upon that project. <laughs> and if you look closely, you can still see a martini glass there, or yeah, you can see a yeah. slight. So yeah, that's a really interesting. Again, it's a it's an experiment of life, and the, the thing is. This is so different because it's just something you left and um, nature yes. did it. Didn't it? Which is, I mean, you know, my initial reaction would be, oh my God, I've lost my negatives or, or something like that. Well, I suppose when you've shot so many times in your life and you build up a archive, I suppose, does it really matter? Uh, you know, there was just so much I had. It was, um, yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I um, I always pulled out what I considered the, the selects, and they are safe in archival boxes. So history okay. is preserved, but not all of it. Hmm. <laughs> and some of it we don't hmm. want to remember. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so no, I wasn't upset. But I was like, well, you know, I just didn't. I didn't know what to do with it right away. Hmm. So. Um, 
of course, I'm in a frenzy of cleaning up, so I'm not going to make a decision right then. So they mm. get pushed aside for a while. And sometimes a lot of my projects have many years of incubation when, you know, something like the seed is planted and um, nothing mm. comes of it for quite some time. That's an interesting way of thinking that um, maybe it's not now, but it's in the future. That's that's nice. And I know it's something that um, I thought about recently where when I'm doing my um, wet prints, my um, test strips and things like that, um, I quite often just leave in the bucket in the room um, and then I clear it out the next time and, and fill it up with fresh water because uh, I don't have water, you see, so I have to use buckets. Um, and then I was thinking, actually, do you know what? They're proper, they're better examples of my work than the finished in a way because that's showing my progress literally as I go. Yeah. Uh, and I've been thinking, um, actually, so I pulled them out last week uh, and let them dry after my good prints were dry, and I thought, actually, I might keep them um for the future and i might mess about with them so, yeah i regret not keeping some of polaroids the polaroids i shot over the years because i yeah. the but polaroids then, you know in the studio when i was shooting a large format they were mostly used as a tool to um double check yeah. my exposure and a composition yeah so to me they were um and it, they were not the final step mm -hmm. and um I really regret not keeping more of them. I have a few, but mm. yeah, you know, we're so we're, we're so cavalier, you know. Mm. Was you shooting um, sheet film as well? Then was that the idea? Yeah, a lot. I shot film um, quite often. Yeah, yeah. Then I would shoot the I would shoot the Polaroid to check the exposure. Check your exposure. Yeah, um, and then I would shoot a sheet of film. Yeah. Okay. Send that That's to the cool. lab and wait. Hence why you know. About <laughs> and I'm shooting natural light too, so you know, they, it'll mm, never be the okay. same as it is in that moment. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can't beat natural light. Mm, no, that's cool. I mean, you know, to move back onto your um, residual stuff. I mean, I find it so interesting that. Um, you've used different elements so like you've said about ink but you've used like um, stamp stamp pad ink uh, and then you've used different sorts of um, like tools I would say so you know it, is it a brush um, is it fingers that you know what what are you using well it, some of them are pretty much are very simply just opening um, the cartridge and allowing whatever's left to pour in onto the paper and um, leaving its mark and me taking no initiative whatsoever what that mark is. So there's a big chance of, you know, there's a big element of chance in there. Let the materials mm. decide what they're going to do. And then I take it and reproduce it as closely as I can. The stamping is I'll use different things like um, in some of the large format um, printers, they, there's this um, tank that will collect the ink um, that is kind of shot out every time that you clean the nozzle. So it gets collected into this tank that's filled with felt. Well, I take that out and mm -hmm. I, um, so it's just this big gunky thing of felt. And I play mm -hmm. with those and make prints, just put those directly onto the paper and make my marks with that. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of the times what I'm doing is also depends on what the ink is. Like, as I said, I get a lot of ink from different sources and each manufacturer has different ways to make the cartridge and they have different things mm -hmm. inside them oh, okay. some some of the ink is in pouches and then i just pour it out into a jar if it's a big yeah. tank if it's a big um, cartridge like from the epsons and 
some of the other smaller ones have these little felt things in there. Hmm. So I'll pull the little pieces of felt out and I'll use that as a stamp. Oh. And um, that becomes my marker. So I'm making, you know, it's yeah. like mark making. And other times um, I'll use a printer's brayer and just like roll it and then roll it directly onto okay. the paper for um, yeah. the, the ones that are like big blocks of color. I'll roll that directly right onto the paper. Um, but what's interesting to me is the the inks are designed to dry very quickly because, you know, when it's going through the inkjet printer, you don't want it to smear. So it has, you know, a drying agent in it. So when I roll it out, it dries before I can even, you know, you always get the marks because it's drying as you're putting it down. Right. So it get you get these streaks, and I find that interesting. And then again, I reproduce that. Uh, it, it's so cool. And what about the idea of the grids, though? Is that coming from anything in particular? Or are you just playing with what you think looks nice? Um, well, I'm using the grid sort of, um, you know, as just a structure to contain them. Hmm. That's an unusual view for an artist. I, I, for me, it works. Well, a lot of my I like that a lot of my work is based on this self. Like I'll build a system, I'll I'll invent a system, and then a work is generated from these rules that I just made. But then within those rules, chance happens. So it so it's sort of like it's predetermined. It, it's predetermined, but the results are not predetermined because there's always an element of chance. And yeah. then by putting them back into the grid, it kind of like gives them a structure to live in. Mm. <laughs> it's nice. Thank I, you very I mean, much. I, I picked up on. Thank you very much. Well, I picked up on a few different colors. I mean, I, I like the. Um, so it's like got black um, boxes to the top left and then there's bits of red, yellow, blue and, and a greenish colour. And then when I started looking at one of them, which is obviously it feels more like a stamp pad. Um, yes. Uh, so I, I'm wondering, are we actually seeing sh shapes ourselves here? It's starting to be, you know, like... Um, a psychiatrist tool where Matt yeah, hold it up Ro to you and go, what can you say? Oh, what are they called? Um, Rocher tests. No. Rocher. I should know this. Yeah. I, I do know it, but I can't think of it right now. Um, yeah. Your listeners are probably screaming at the, it's a, <laughs> it's yeah. a blah, blah, blah test. Um, so it's yeah. one of those. Yes. And that's interesting because I get that a lot. And that, I do find that interesting because I do find that almost everything you look at is subjective. Every, anything you look at is, is always going to be through the eyes of um, who you are and your person and um, colored mm -hmm. by that. So my um, premise is that every, every photograph is um, or any depiction or reproduction or re representation um, is subjective and is no you know being it there's no such objective something that's going to be true for everybody or seen hmm. the same way yeah yeah exactly so uh, i can agree with that yeah so that kind of plays into it well i think it's because it's not a standard um object you're looking at so you can actually interpret what you see can't you no because you well that's the other thing if you feel like you're looking at a photograph and and, and there's nothing um that's easily identified uh, identifiable yeah. um you have to dig a little deeper as to what you're looking at hmm and it's not something I've been used to doing, so I find this quite quite interesting. And um, 
I've had a previous guest on who's talked about this and as well. He's like, um, even the way um, he frames the shot in the sense of, is it a square he's going to show or a rectangle has meaning. And it's like, very true. Oh, it's like, I don't even follow that. I've got the image done. Christ, I'm happy enough with the image. <laughs> Never mind how I'm going to present it. I was like, God, oh, that's amazing. Um, and that's why I say, you know, you're the artist. <laughs> you're too kind. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's great. Um, it's been great talking about you. Thank you so, so much. It's I been think... great talking to you. It's no, always nice. Cool. I think we're through so the, this... Well, I think we're through the um, formal part of the interview. Uh, the last question that, that you know is the recommendation. So, um I think you're going to send me a list of people. Is that correct? Because as we were speaking, I've been writing things down, and um, <laughs> I, I, there's uh, quite a few artists I think you will enjoy. Mm. No, that, that's appreciated, and I think it seems to be like a common approach now. And um, I think people realise the sort of people that I quite like as well. So it, it's been really nice doing it this way. Actually, good. Thanks, and I can't wait. Mm. Well. It's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you, Rita. Uh, it's getting quite late over here, so. All right, then. Keeping her up all night. Well, good night, then. No. And um, no. thank you for staying up late for me. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Rita. Um, it's been really, really nice talking to Thanks. you. Um, so I'll keep watching out your future work yeah. uh, and see how this develops, that's for sure. Well, follow me on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Um, you take care. Okay, you too. Okay. Thanks, Rita. Thank you.